There are pros and cons to patient-controlled analgesia. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. Sharon Kozacek. Dr. Kozacek is a registered nurse and received her doctoral degree in nursing from Johns Hopkins University. She is a postdoctoral fellow in biobehavioral pain research with joint appointments in the schools of medicine and nursing at Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Kozacek, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you, Susan. What is patient-controlled analgesia? Well, as the name implies, it's a method whereby the patient can self-administer analgesics whenever they need it. There is a prescribed lockout interval so that patients can't overdose, and it's really a wonderful means for patients to balance their needs for pain control against some of the adverse effects of narcotic analgesics such as over-sedation or respiratory depression. Why is there a heightened clinical interest in PCA? Well, pain seems to be a tremendous problem worldwide. The World Health Organization has stated that over 50% of the world's population suffers from pain that is not well managed. And for us in the healthcare professions, we feel that PCA use leads to better pain management postoperatively It allows patients control over their pain management. Autonomy is very important to patients. And we really need to take better care of our patients who are in the hospital. It's really unclear why pain isn't better managed. We suspect it could be fears and misconceptions on the part of patients and providers. There are cultural barriers involved And so we feel that using PCA allows patients more control. Do you have any statistics on how many hospitalized patients are in pain? Well, the prevalence really is not clear. I've not been able to identify statistics. However, the number one reason that persons seek health care is due to pain. How long has PCA been used? Well, the first literature on PCA use was published in the early 1980s, right around 1981-1982. And the first devices were manufactured in Europe. And then slowly, American companies were given approval by the FDA to develop these devices. How is PCA administered? Well, PCA can be administered intravenously or epidurally. And summarize the benefits for us. Well, the benefits that I alluded to earlier include patient control over their pain management, empowerment. We feel that if the patient is able to have better pain control without being overly sedated, they're more able to get up and out of bed while they're in the hospital, ambulate. They have better outcomes. We've noted uh, in the literature that persons who postoperatively have significant pain that is not well managed, they tend to lay still in bed. They can have issues with consolidation in their lungs, uh, hence pneumonias. And we've seen better outcomes with better pain management. One of the, the issues surrounding persistent pain and chronic pain development is acute pain that is not well managed in the hospital. Are there any downsides? Well, there can be. Even though PCA use 
allows patients to address their needs for pain management. It also places the burden of pain control on the patient. And so they may perceive that if they're still experiencing pain, that it's somehow their fault. PCA only administers doses on demand. However, there is a means whereby you can have background infusions of the narcotic at very low doses and then on-demand doses. That's not done as frequently. And so if patients only have dosing on demand, because they're sleeping, they're not able to administer during the night. And that may place them at increased risk for greater difficulty managing pain once they awaken. What prevents a patient from overdosing using PCA? Well, the prescribed lockout period is one means. Another means is that oftentimes opioid narcotics can cause patients to become sedated. Um, And that generally happens before more potentially fatal side effects, such as respiratory depression, surface. And so if patients are a bit sedated or groggy, they're not able to press that button to deliver another dose. So how do you handle the, the breakthrough pain with the background infusions? That can be done, but it's not frequently done. There are some people who are advocating for an authorized agent, such as an RN, to deliver on behalf of the patient, but this is still under debate. There are issues specifically surrounded adverse events, such as respiratory depression or arrest, and patients requiring naloxone administration. And if nurses go in and just monitor the patient for a few minutes before arousing them to ask them about pain, then we'd have a better handle on respiratory issues. Oftentimes, the nurse will go into the room awaken the patient immediately, ask about pain, and maybe encourage them to administer more analgesic rather than stand by, watch the patient while they're sleeping to see how their respiratory status is. How difficult is it to program the actual pump? First of all, the nurse has to select the concentration of drugs that's being used. These pumps have a number of concentrations that are pre-programmed into them, And there are issues with uh, nurses not always having someone with them who can verify that they're entering correct information. There are pump issues whereby once you select your concentration, if you don't press the enter button within a prescribed amount of time, it goes back to the manufacturer set default and there can be mistakes. Another issue is that There are narcotic analgesics such as morphine that are available in different concentrations. And so if the nurse grabs one concentration when she should have or he should have grabbed another concentration and then the wrong concentration is programmed in, that's an issue. What type of monitoring is required by the nursing staff around the clock? At the very least, nurses should go in and assess their patient's respiratory status every four hours. I think during the first 24 hours of PCA use, it's really imperative that the nurse check the patient much more frequently, hourly, if at all possible, because if you have an opiate-naive patient 
and suddenly they're on a narcotic for the first time, we really don't know how they're going to respond. If a patient says, I give permission to my loved one to administer, is that okay? PCA, unfortunately, means patient-controlled, which means really only the patient or an authorized agent, such as an RN or a physician, should be selecting that button to deliver the drug. There have been instances in which patients have asked their spouse, you know, please press this button as often as you can while I'm sleeping, and unfortunately, patients have died because of that. So it's an education issue. It's an education issue. When patients are placed on PCA, it's really important that physicians do a significant amount of teaching with the patient and the family and that the nurse also deliver similar education to the patient and the family. In the whole scheme of things, being on the front line and experiencing PCA, is it really individual specific or do you think most patients should and do benefit from this? There are certain patients for whom PCA may not be the best means for providing pain control. For example, uh, patients with dementia, they're not able to or may not be able to self-administer analgesics when they need to, to have them administered. Sometimes the very young, there have been hospitals where patients as young as six years old have been placed on PCA and have done well. I don't know how common that is, but I have read that there are places using PCA with pediatric patients. What do you believe is the biggest misconception about pain? I think the biggest misconception about pain is that pain is normal and pain should be expected and that pain should be tolerated. I also think a significant misconception is that all patients who are given narcotic analgesics for pain relief will become addicted or dependent upon them. What led to your interest in this area? Specifically, my parents. I have elderly parents in the Midwest, and in 2001, they both underwent knee replacement surgery and had PCA. And I would go up to the hospital very early every morning to assess them and make sure they were doing okay. And my father had significant, significant pain. And he had the PCA. And I said, Dad, here's your drug pump. And the nurse had tied the PCA button to the bottom of his bed rail and never indicated to him that it was available. There was no way Dad could have reached that PCA button at night if he'd wanted to without getting out of bed. The issue with my mother was her physician prescribed an epidural PCA for her. She was flat on her back for four days and then discharged and uh, got home, and I had a call from my dad at my office, and he said, I need you to come when you get out of work and look at mom's back. And she had significant skin breakdown all down her spine from where the PCA insertion had been secured to her back. And it was 10 days of my going to my parents' house and doing uh, wound care and dressing changes before she started to heal up. And both of those are poor nursing care. A, you have to ensure that aging people fully understand the PCA button, how to work it, 
they look suspiciously like a nursing call button, and so it would be good for nurses to put a piece of red tape on the PCA button and say, okay, red is for when you have pain, and this is to call me. PCA really isn't a substitution for nursing care, but really calls for enhanced nursing care, uh, my mother being the prime example. Even though she had good pain management, the fact that she suffered significant skin breakdown due to the PCA insertion really leads me to believe that the nurses weren't assessing her as they should have been. Dr. Kozacek, thank you so much for joining us to discuss PCA. You're welcome, Susan. Thank you. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.